Okay, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. I don't normally sound like this and I do apologise. So rather than have you listen to this, I've decided to dive into the Connection Archives, which is premium content, and I'm going to publish that for you instead. This week, I want to talk all about how sometimes we can have the handbrake on during downward transitions. Now, this can impact everything. I do think it'll be really helpful and useful for you, and I hope you enjoy it. So all that being said and done, here we go for the podcast. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the first bonus life training for the month of June 2021. My name is Lauren Leeson. It's Connection. I'm delighted to have you here. Okay, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about for this month, we're talking about self-carriage. And we're talking about self-carriage from the perspective that we've put it together. We've put the the horses of carriage, which we were working on on the lunge uh, kind of exclusively back in April and then we were working on your self-carriage last month in May now we've put them together to kind of have this combination of I suppose what many of us see self-carriage as really being and um, when we ride horses okay we see it as being both horse and rider but hopefully from going through everything that I've spoken about the previous two months you can see that there has to be the separate elements there. It cannot exist. Self-carriage can't work if the rider is not carrying themselves, is not showing up on their terms, and if the horse as well, okay? So it has to be this, I feel this realization from both, all the team members, okay? And then when you put it together, you get self-carriage. But one of the places where I find it, you you get these flashes, and I speak about this a lot, and if you've been riding for any length of time, you know this. It's those first few strides after a downward transition, okay? A particularly good downward transition, and not just any downward transition, okay? Not when we throw an anchor in the sand behind us and kind of drag our horses into it. But a particularly good downward transition, you always get these, or not always, but you tend to often feel this, this lightness, this, oh, it's this like forwardness. It's just this, it feels bigger. It feels more, okay? You tend to feel that as you get into the actual um, gate itself. So let's say we're going from canter to trot. But where a lot of riders are then missing out on this opportunity to experience this is because they put so much work into having or creating or setting up a good transition that they forget to then take the brakes off, okay? And you see, this is where I feel that working on the half halt, and if if you're a little unsure about the half halt, I'm almost sure it is November, no, October, November, and December of 2020. If you go back to all those lessons, that is what we spoke about exclusively. We worked on the half halt for three months, okay? But the half halt is where it it gets stuck. Uh, recently, I was at a, like a it wasn't an actual competition; it was more like a clinic type thing here in South Africa. I was just watching actually a friend of mine, and the somebody else there I don't know who it was but somebody else's brake got stuck in their horse box and 
I remember from years ago, years and years ago, um, being in Ireland when we were young, we were always warned by people, don't pull up the brake on the horse box. They always stick. Now, I'm assuming that horse boxes in general and engineering has come on a lot since then. <laughs> Maybe this box was from then. I don't know. But the brake got stuck. And while the brake was working perfectly when the person wanted it to work, so when the box was parked and stationary, They'd pull the brake up. It was working great. The problem was when they then went to go home, they had an issue. Okay. The brake got stuck. And I feel that this often happens in these downward transitions. We tend to use our seat to put this resistance to say like, whoa, stall the ball a little bit there. Okay. And it's, it, and it's correct. We want to use our seat. That's, that's the way we're using our seat. We're using our seat to say, steady up there a little just take it easy or whatever the, you know, you're kind of using your seat to almost guide the horse regarding what the next step is or what the next move is. But then we get so caught up in it, we forget to allow the movement. That's what I want to talk about today. There is a split second, and I speak about this a lot. I went into detail on it a couple of years ago. I'll actually try and find some of those lessons and add them in here for you um, later in the week. But um, there was... the. there's this split second that happens. Um, It happens in every transition, up or down, doesn't make any odds. But in the downward, it's quite interesting because it's this point where we go from stall the ball or or resist, okay, like this, and we're just, it's like this, I don't want to say it's a roll because some people then take that really to heart, (laughs) You see them like sit on their lower back in the saddle. So I don't want to say it's a roll, but there's this shift of the pelvis. And then we tend to forget to then allow the energy through. So um, another way that you could think of this, I'm not sure if you're familiar with canals and with lock gates on a canal, um, but there's these, you have the big lock gates, okay, which are, um, like the, the lock gates open to allow, let's say, a barge through or a boat through. OK, but then in order to refill the lock, they then open the sluice gate. So these these smaller little they're like little windows or little doors built into the lock gate itself. OK, and it lets water through and you can kind of play with how much water and, and, the, and the intensity, the speed, the flow. You can play with it all there. It's all the gears are there and you you can play up and down um, with the, the with the rate that you want the water to flow through and with the pressure and whatever the case is. And I think our seat, you can think of it that way and, and thinking of the energy like being like the water, that you can begin to play with allowing it through or resisting it, okay, to, to allow it to flow or to bring it back. And noticing that when you're bringing it back, you can sometimes cause the pressure to increase and things like that, okay? There's a whole game there. But what I want you to work on this week, if you're with your horses, obviously you're working on your transitions up and down. And as you're doing so, we're working on this self-carriage. But I want you to pay particular attention to the split second where the horse actually transitions from trot to walk or from canter to trot. Okay. I'm saying I'm using downward transitions here. Okay. But there's like this absolute, it's like this, his his foot is in the air and he's you can just feel it. Oh, okay, there's the stay. He's going to step. When he puts his foot down now, we're in trot or we're in walk. He has, that's it. The step is there. This is the first step, the first beat, 
the first stride. It's not even a stride. It's the first hoofbeat. This is the first touchdown of the new gate, okay? And when that happens, you have to allow through your seat. You have to allow the energy to flow on. When you don't, and it, this may be your experience of it or what you see, or if you think about somebody else riding, the very common thing that happens when the rider gets the timing wrong of this allowing, or they just don't know what they're supposed to allow and they don't allow, okay? But let's give everyone the benefit of the doubt and just say that when the timing is not correct, so when the rider is a little bit behind the movement, okay? Got a little bit left behind. They're not there with the horse. They're not together moving, okay? When the rider is a bit slower, if you want, okay, at coming with this allowing, you often get this hollowness through the horse. And the reason is because your seat and your hands are directly connected. So when you allow through the seat, you allow through the hand and the horse has to step down into the gate. Okay. Has to, can't do it otherwise. Okay. Has to step down into it. And, you know, real simple way I was, I was chatting to one of the kids on do, 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 Friday and they were saying, we were chatting about, I'm trying to think what we were exactly doing. That's terrible. I can't remember, but I do know the conversation came up about, I was, I was telling this child, what would she do if she was walking on a, like a, a pole or a plank, a thin plank, and she had to walk along it and balance. And I said, what would you do? And she was like, well, I do. And I said, well, what would your arms do? And she was like, no, they'd be in the air. And I said, great, because your pony's using his head the same way. He uses his head and neck the way we use our arms on the pole to balance or the plank to balance. Okay. Now, once you think about that in that downward transition, that as your horse, then as the energy and the tension levels and, and the weight, as it all shifts, the horse needs to have that little bit of give there, the little bit of play, if you want, that they can make the adjustment. And when we fail to do that, so when we don't allow through the seat and therefore don't allow through the hand, hollowness comes in so the horse will usually lift the head up and away because otherwise they're going to get caught in the mouth so they'll lift their head up and away from the so they'll raise the head okay raise and it's specifically if you look at it it's they're raising their mouth okay and obviously their mouth being part of their head means the whole head gets lifted so they'll raise that away and then what they'll also do is, well, that causes then this hollowness through the back, which causes the back end to fall out behind. It's like there's no support then through the back. OK, so I want you to think about how you want to rather as he steps in and as the back end comes underneath him because you've set up a good quality transition. So the back leg will have come in underneath the back end. It's already under your job is to then allow that to connect through to the front. Okay. And when you do that, you get these moments of self-carriage. You'll get maybe one or two strides. It depends on how developed you and your horse is. And remember, he needs to be physically developed to hold himself, to carry himself as well. Okay. So just take time, but you, it'll depend. And you'll get these moments of the self-carriage where he will then be able to continue on doing whatever it is he's doing and you can then just sit and try and your job then becomes to try and maintain that for a longer periods. So for four strides, for six strides, or for a full circle or whatever it is you're doing, okay, that becomes your job then. So you and remember, you're not controlling it. 
you're just making sure that everything is ideally positioned, ideally placed and in the right way so as it is able to maintain itself. Okay, your horse then, this is why we like we started this whole self-carriage the three months. We started from the perspective that your horse had to really and truly come to the party first to say that um, he, he understands that he's going to carry himself. Okay. And then from there, you both continue on. Okay. I'm going to leave it at that. Have a great week. If you have any chats or any questions or any, anything else, you can tag me in. Okay. I'm leaving it at that. See you soon. Bye. So there you have it. I'm going to take this opportunity to invite you to join me inside of Connection. You can find all the details over at stridesforsuccess.com forward slash connection. And also you can get the Finding More Time to Ride workbook over at stridesforsuccess.com forward slash time. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. Hopefully I will sound much better soon. I do apologize. Okay, chat to you soon. Be good. Bye.